You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Outdoor Edge introduces the all-new Razor Guide Pack. Coming in at 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the Razor Guide Pack has it all. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the How to Hunt Turkeys podcast. I'm Paul Campbell. Join me as we dive into the world of turkey hunting. Every episode, we'll explore the minds of the finest turkey hunters around. We'll take a look at the people, the places, the tactics, gear, and the culture that creates the mystique around America's favorite bird. That's right, I said it, America's favorite bird, the wild turkey. Throw on your turkey vest, grab your box call, let's talk some turkey. The How to Hunt Turkeys podcast is brought to you by Go Wild. Visit timetogowild.com or download the app on iOS or Android. Go Wild has all the gear the wild turkey hunter needs. Camel clothes, hats, vest, turkey calls, decoys, and everything else. Sign up for a free account today and get $10 off your first order. Timetogowild.com. Wicked North Gear, delivering the very best gear for a life well-lived in the great outdoors. From field kits and DIY tax derby solutions to hats, hoodies, stickers, and more, visit wickednorthgear.com. To another episode of the How to Hunt Turkeys podcast. Today we have uh, Cameron Weddington from the Turkey Hunters, Turkey Hunter podcast. Also, the Godfather on Instagram. Cameron, how you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing good. Can't, good. can't complain. We're about 182 days from being able to chase him again. So there you go. Countdown never stops, right? No, it never stops. Good, good Always deal. So Cameron, uh, for, for the listeners that, uh, that aren't familiar with you, just give us a quick rundown of who you are, where you're from, uh, talk about the, the Turkey Hunter podcast that you do with Andy. Yeah. Yeah. So name's Cameron Weddington. I've been turkey hunting since probably 12, 12 years old or so. Got really serious when I turned 16 and could, could hit the road on my own, you know, but 
I've been hunting forever, and I, I met Andy, my co-host, in college in Birmingham where I went to school. I went to Sanford University down there and met him because uh, I listened to his podcast, and I, I heard on one of them him say he lived in Birmingham. So I emailed him, and we ended up meeting up, and we've been friends ever since. We just got along great, and he asked me once I got done with college to co-host with him on the podcast. And so I've been doing that for a few years and it's going really well. You know, we're turkeys all year round. We don't, we don't go off any, any other tangents. And so we just, you know, right now we're doing some series like this last one we did is late season hunting tactics. And we've done, you know, a lot of predator management. And I mean, just all the facets, a lot of science-based studies and all the facets that are surrounding the wild turkey these days. And so yeah, and I, I live in Tennessee. I'm a financial planner here. This is a day job. And that's it. I'm a turkey hunter. That, that's what I do. That's my that's thing. It. Yeah. My my wife will tell you it's it's an addiction. <laughs> it's it, it's just that's my thing. I, I That's I'm why here you're here, month. man. Yeah. Well, that's... nine months out of the year. You know, I do take two or three weeks for fall turkey hunting, but spring is when I'm really on. And so I've I've traveled the country and planning to seems like everybody's doing it these days, but try to get to all 49 states. And so I'm I'm 32 states in on that. So getting pretty close. And my goal when I set out it was to do it by the age of 30. And so I should be able to do that. I'm only 27 now. And go. so if I can do well these next three years, I'll, I'll have a good chance at it. I do have I've knocked out some of the really difficult states like Nevada, but I still have Delaware and Arkansas and Louisiana, which are some tougher states as well. So tough road ahead, but I'm going to get it done. Yeah, that's re- that's really neat. Get uh, get the 49 done by by 30, man. I'll be I'll be pulling for you on that. Have you popped over to, to like Arizona and talk about difficult states to get? Man? I mean, that's got to be a, that's a, a notorious. No, I have state. not. So I've not done Arizona yet you know that that one's going to be a tough one too I've, I've heard you know so they have a draw system you know it's not terribly difficult to draw a merriam's tag there but yeah if you want a goulds you better be ready for 10 11 years of putting, yeah. you know just something crazy but we'll see i don't know I, I am putting in for a goulds and i'm just hoping maybe i'll get lucky because i'd love for that to be my arizona turkey but I'm not going to let that uh, hold me up because I, I know it's a very, very low odds deal. But, yeah. you know, I did pull a tag in Nevada for a non-resident, which is I was the only non-resident that hunted that place that year. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> there's like three non-resident tags for public land in Nevada, and I got one of them. That, that's pretty that's that's good for you. Yeah. Man. That's that's uh, yeah, that's definitely another, you know, notoriously hard, hard state to get into. So, yeah. So, so Cameron, let's, uh, let's kind of unpack a, a, a turkey season, if you will. Okay. And for, for me, turkey season starts the day after the season ends. I start thinking about the, the upcoming season, yeah. uh, you know, over a year, almost a year away, uh, if we're talking to you spring. So I, I think for a lot of new, new turkey hunters when when you're thinking about okay i want to get into it or i've never done it i've done it one or two years i haven't had any success i haven't heard a turkey gobble but you really really want to have some sort of success in the woods uh i think the i think it can be kind of overwhelming for a lot of people and Mm -hmm. so i when i when i talk to to new hunters man i just kind of break down like 
the absolute basics. I don't, I don't know if you played football or sports growing up as a kid, like you baseball you to, player. Yeah. Baseball. So, I mean, you have the fundamentals of all sports and I think hunting uh, and especially Turkey hunting with all the nuances of that. Uh, I think preparation is key. And so for me, and when I'm talking to new Turkey hunters, man, I mean like the basic, basic stuff is like a shotgun. I mean, that's, you know, what, what do yeah. I need to, the first thing is a, is a, is a gun, something to kill this animal with. So, yeah. so what shotgun do you, do you use? So I'm, I'm a very old school mentality person, even though I'm young, I'm only 27, but I'm old school. So I use an old Remington 870. It's probably the cheapest 12 gauge out there that you can get, you know, and it's so reliable. I've tried, I have a nicer gun, honestly, I use for duck hunting, you know, I got to get fancy when I go duck hunting, but yes, sir. turkey hunters are, you know, we're, we're old school, we're low cost to entry. I mean, you really don't have to spend a ton of money to be a turkey hunter if you can learn it. So I have an old 870, it's traveled with me everywhere, never miss fires. You know, the, the only gun I've had that for turkeys, I, I've advised people not to use, and it's a great gun, but the Benelli. And that's solely because have you heard of the Benelli click? Uh, yes, absolutely. But explain the Benelli click. So if you, when you go turkey hunting, you try to slowly put that shell in, you know, because you're not, you're not just going to hit the button and ram the shell up in there and make this loud noise because you don't want to scare them. So you slowly ease the chamber with the shell in. If it doesn't fully engage, when that gobbler comes up there and you pull the trigger, you're going to hear the Benelli click. You'll never forget it after you hear it once, after yeah. you just worked your butt off for an old gobbler to come up there in gun range. I can promise you. <laughs> yeah. And I don't I don't know if this is confirmed, but I, I have uh one of the newer model Browning A5s and kind of very similar mm-hmm. situation where I heard the Browning click, which I don't know if that's uh as yeah. famous is the bell as the Benelli click, but I'm like, oh man, you just you gotta slam those things in there. Yeah. Uh if so. it's a if it's that's why I shoot a pump. You know, yeah. and that's that's the 870. With a turkey, you're most I, I could count on one hand how many turkeys I've killed on the second or third shot. It just does not happen. Yeah. You don't get there's, that you don't get that chance. No, I mean there's there's been a few times where the second shot is needed. Uh, you know, if I, I'm yanked it or something and I didn't fully kill him and I had to put one more in him, but he wasn't gonna get away anyway. I just wanted to quickly kill the animal. But with a pump, you have second and third shot options, but that when you pull your pump forward, you're, you're good. You're engaged. You don't have to worry about, you know, a vine snagging the chamber and pulling it back a little bit. And then you got the Benelli click. So I'm a big advocate for pumps or some kind of very simple mechanism gun that can't possibly screw up. Cause I mean, a lot of people, that turkey coming into range may only happen once, maybe twice a year. You know, I mean, it's, it's not like, I mean, I, I travel the country, so I get to see it often, but your, your common day average turkey hunters is not going to have that many opportunities. So I, I want a gun that's going to fire when I pull that trigger. Yeah, yeah for sure. Now, have you tried other, other guns over the years or have you just stuck with yeah. that old, old reliable? Yeah, I've killed some with my. I had an old Benelli. I killed all kinds of stuff. This is my first ever twelve gauge. Killed rabbits and everything with it. But I got turkeys with it. But then it, it clicked on me about the third time was when I decided this ain't for me anymore. Yeah. And I always, if I go out of state, I always take a second gun. 
you know, and that's just, you don't want to travel 12 hours across the world and then your gun fall apart on you and, and you're going home, you know, or going to buy a new gun. So I always throw a second gun in the car if I'm driving. And so I have a, it's a Browning, the Maxis two. So I bought that last year for duck hunting and it's a great, great gun. I really like it for waterfowl, but I, I've been sticking with the old 870 for turkeys because and my brother's like, why don't you use that, that Maxis two? It kicks less, it's lighter. And I'm like, that, that 870 shoots true. Hadn't failed me. You know, when I miss, I know it's cause I missed. It wasn't the gun and I'm not changed. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's always yeah. been my motto. It, it works. Yeah, for sure. So obviously kind of the next part of this equation is the only thing that actually touches the wild turkey and that is the ammo the shotgun ammo so yeah. what 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 are you using for that so i use Longbeard xrs Standard. I like it's classic right yeah i like the number five Longbeard xrs and so but these days what's very popular and it's extremely effective is the tungsten super shot and so if you are especially for kids or older people or just somebody who likes using a sub gauge, you know, a lot of people out there will be like, Oh, I want to kill a turkey with my grandpa's old, you know, 20 gauge or whatever it is. TSS is the way to go there. If you're going to shoot a sub gauge, you definitely are going to probably want TSS shells. Uh, they just hit harder. They come in like number sevens through nines. You got a lot more pellets and they're just very effective at killing turkeys. But I, with a 12 gauge, I only shoot 40 yards. I, I, people, you know, these days very adamant about that they can shoot 55, 60 yards. That's not the game I'm playing. I want that turkey within 40 yards. If he steps within 40 yards, I know I can make a very clean, dead kill on that turkey every single time. And so that's with Longbeard XRs. I know it will kill him at 50. I know it will. So if I misjudge distance, I have a little wiggle room, but you know, the, the TSS shells, especially for sub gauges, you know, they're, they're impressive. They put out an incredible pattern. So, and if you're going to hunt a lot of wildlife refuges, even for turkeys have a no non-toxic rule. You know, a lot of, you know, duck hunting, you have to have non-toxic ammo. But if you're hunting a refuge, TSS is the best thing you can get, in my opinion, because you, you got to have non-toxic ammo and it is non-toxic. Yeah, I think I think the the TSS, I mean, everyone knows. I mean, if you if you hunt turkeys, I mean, you've heard of TSS. Yeah. I've used it some. I, I've been very happy with uh, with the results. I think oh, yeah. for, I think for me personally, I don't I'm, I'm with you, man. 40, 45 yards. That's my wheelhouse. Just because the the gun and the ammo and the skill that I have can go out to seventy yards, I'm not going to do it. One, I'll get yeah. a little preachy here. It's not as fun, you know. It's not. I want them up close, man. I want I want to hear them breathing, you know. Yeah. And and so and I don't I don't I don't know, man. To me, shooting a turkey at 70, 80 yards like it's boring, man. I don't want to do that. So I mean, go put a turkey decoy. Uh, go stand on the goal line. Put a turkey decoy on the twenty yard line on the other side. That's a long freaking yeah. ways. Yeah, yeah, you know? it is. It's just yeah. So I, I I know a lot of people can do it, and then just the technologically or technological advances with the with the ammo and the guns and, uh, yeah. and the tubes. You know, we we can get there. It doesn't mean that we necessarily have to get there right yeah, so I'm, it, it, 
it's it's about how close, not how far. Because yeah. you're shooting a shotgun, you know. Yeah. And with you know, you you deer hunt with a rifle, you have to be accurate. You're putting a one projectile bullet into that animal, so you have to be accurate. You're shooting a shotgun. The further you shoot, the larger your pattern, the less accurate you have to be. So when people I have people who brag about how far they shot a turkey, and I'm like, well, I mean, that that doesn't tell me anything. Your aim could have been yeah. honestly terrible, and you caught a lucky pellet because it's out there 70 yards. You got a, you know, giant spread of pellets going out. You yeah. shoot him at five yards, that little golf, you know, you got a golf ball going in oh, his yeah. head. That, that's a tough shot. <laughs> you better be, you better be on there. Better, yeah. better be on there. So we've got, we've got the gun, we've got the ammo. The next part of this equation, choke tube. How how important is a choke tube to this process? A high quality choke tube. Yeah. So I shoot Longbeard XR. So I use a Carlson Longbeard XR choke tube. It's designed for that. But I mean, here's the key to all of this: the gun, the ammo, the choke tube. You have to pattern the combinations. And I'm telling you, you just you can't believe because when you put a turkey choke. And that is what's you have to get a turkey choke. I don't care what anybody tells you, unless you're planning to only shoot them at five yards, get a turkey choke, please. You want an Real. extra full choke because I've had friends bring their full chokes out and I've, I've seen turkeys get rolled at 30 yards and I see them run off and I know that bird's going to be coyote food and I can't stand it. So now when I when somebody asks me if they can come turkey hunt with me, because everybody usually has a full choke because they duck hunt or whatever, they'll bring their gun. I'll bring mine and I'll be like, "What choke do you have in?" They'll say a full, and I'm like, "Here's mine. Use mine today. I'll I'll carry yours for backup." You know, but get an extra full choke. It's worth it. You know, there's some pretty cheap options out there. There's like a Remington one. It's very cheap. It's not, and it works great. Um, but the key to me is you got to get your gun get maybe a couple different types of ammo it's amazing the difference that can happen you know if i shoot longbeard xr5s and then i shoot the sixes they pattern different they, they're different on the board yeah. so so when you're saying longbeard yeah. xr5s and sixes that is the size shot of the size. pellet that's in yeah. Yeah, the, the the shot size just to just to yeah. be clear they come so. in fours fives and sixes and i prefer the fives and if i can find the there's actually, it's very minute on the box. If it says Longbeard XR Magnum, that's what I'm after. Because they have a Magnum. It has one-eighth ounce more shot in it, and it it does wonders. Yeah. Cameron, I've been hoarding that ammo for a couple of years. So if you uh, if you get hey, desperate, I'll, you I'll let me know, man. I, gotta, I, gotta, I can't I, find it. I got a drawer full of it, man. <laughs> so every time I, the last couple of years, you know, just traveling for turkey hunting or work, I'm like, Man, you're coming home with me. I don't need you, but it's I know. It's, it's been I weird. regret not loading up on it yeah. myself because man, it's been seriously weird. last spring with the whole I mean ammo shortages are getting a little better, but my gosh, last spring I was like, I'm not gonna have any shells. Like I don't know, I don't know what I'm gonna do. And so yeah. I, I bought some that like I don't even I've never used, but it's like these are better than not having anything. Yeah. 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 yeah it's uh crazy. it's been it's been it's been weird. And those guys that do shoot TSS. That's been real, real tough to find. I know some of the bigger manufacturers, yeah. they'll release their, their, you know, their turkey loads in, you know, November, December, and they're gone by January. Um, and that's it. That's just, they might, you might get, you know, just a small, yeah. uh, 
small release. So you got to be forward thinking. That's a good point. So if it, right, these days, if you're thinking about turkey on next spring and you never have, go ahead and buy you a box of shells now. You know, yeah. now's the time to get them. Yeah, get them while get them while you can. I mean, it's just it's just a weird time that that we live in. I mean, for yeah. for me in Ohio, early goose season starts tomorrow. And I didn't nice. think about getting any, uh, you know, double B's and I'm, I've got like 15 <laughs> shells from last year left. That's it. I'm like, oh, well, we'll see how far that gets. Nice. Yeah. Cause it's just gone. It's just, and it's just, it's just me being busy and dumb and not, you know, having that yeah. forward, forward thinking. So, so when you, when you've got, you've got the, the shotgun, the choke tube, the ammo and you're patterning, pattern. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? I've never been able to say yeah, that. Patterning. Thank you. What? what are you looking for? So how, how, what's your process to, to pattern a shotgun? So I, what I do, cause turkey shells are expensive. So my process, I take some dove loads, just cheap old dove loads. First put a target out there 20 yards. Uh, especially if you're going to use a lot of people like to use red dot sites, scopes, whatever for turkeys. I'm just a bead sight guy. I just standard old gun. That's what I like. You know, but if your gun is off, once you start shooting it, then you can buy sights or a red dot to adjust it. Because you, you'll be shocked how many shotguns do not shoot perfectly accurate, especially when you constrict down to turkey load, you know, with a with a choke. So I usually shoot a dove load first. All right. That hit perfectly on the target. So my gun's good. Then I swap to turkey loads because there's no point in taking the punishment to your shoulder and all that if, if you're not on at all. So make sure your gun's on first. If it's not, go get something to adjust, make sure the gun shoots true, then swap to turkey loads. That's I can, I can attest that shooting a turkey load without uh, the assistance of adrenaline is a miserable, yeah. it's a miserable thing. It sucks. <laughs> oh, it's it really, it, you don't like when I shoot a turkey, I don't even notice the gun going off. You know, it's like, yeah. I, I'm looking at him and all of a sudden I'm standing on top of him and I'm like, I don't know what happened in the meantime, but that was cool. You shoot a target with a turkey load. You, you feel it. You oh, feel yeah. Every bit of it. yeah. So I like to shoot at 20, 30 and 40 is, is mine. And so at 20, you want a pattern that's not just, it's going to be tight, but you don't want it to just be stupid tight to where you couldn't possibly hit it. And then at 40, you want to be able to have multiple pellets in the head and neck region of a gobbler. You know, you, you don't want to just, oh, okay, one pellet went in his brain, that would have killed him. You, you want multiple, you just want to make sure you got a clean ethical kill. So 20 to 40 is kind of my range. I'll do 20, 30, 40. And then one thing, just because your gun's on this year, next year before season, sh just shoot one time at 30 yards just to make sure. Because I had a gun. That I turned with and great, great, great. And then one year, all of a sudden, I shot and it didn't even hit the target. Something happened in the offseason, the barrel bent. I don't know what happened, but it was, it shot low. And so if I hadn't done that, I would have been screwed that year. So, you know, I always, it's one shell, take the time, go shoot one time just to make sure, hey, everything's good. Gun's still dead on. I'm still accurate. We're good to go. Yeah. That's, that's, that's good advice. So if I'm, if I'm shooting my gun, I'm trying to get a good pattern on it and I'm just consistently high and left. Yeah. Would you advocate someone using maybe a red dot or switching? People like red dots. It's a matter of preference in my opinion. Cause like, I don't like a red dot twofold. 
I'm colorblind and red, so that makes it tough. And I grew up mostly quail, duck, squirrel, shooting moving birds with an open bead sight. So I'm just so much more comfortable with it. I don't I don't deer hunt much. So like I'm not used to that really aiming. Like it's more of a feel, just throw up and shoot. And so if you're more of a deer hunter and you've shot lots of rifles, you're very accurate with that like I'm pinpoint aiming then yeah, I think a red dot or, you know, something along those lines would be great. If you're not, they also make plenty of options where you can mount like a back uh, and a front bead to help line it up. So if you're going to shoot left, you can move it and get it where it, it gets accurate for your turkeys. We've had to do it with my brother's gun. Because so, a lot of your manufactured guns these days are made to shoot high, a little bit high. And that's like a, I've researched it. I think that's like an English way of doing the gun because they float the duck or whatever above the bead. And so it, it's perfect then. But when you're shooting a turkey, you're usually covering him with that bead, you know? So that's what I, that's my suggestion. Just kind of whatever you're comfortable with. Cause for me, like I tried the whole red dot thing and it's just not me. I was aiming too hard. I missed more turkeys and it just wasn't for me. Cause I, I just have this natural, like, I grew up doing this, you know, this, I know how to swing and shoot with the gun on with just a beat. So that's what I use. I think, you know, just to, to your, the point that you just made, I, I think it's shoot what's really comfortable for each individual yeah. person. If it's a red dot, do it. If it's a scope, do it. If it's iron sights, do it. I mean, I, I've same thing. I've tried, I've tried red dots because, you know, that's what everyone else is doing. Hell, it's gotta be worth it. And, yeah, as I'm shooting, yeah, yeah, as I'm <laughs> shooting dove loads into a paper target, I'm like, I don't like this. I don't like it at all. I'm taking it off. I'm selling it. I'm done. I'm never trying yeah. it again. So, you know, maybe in and I'll be 40 uh, here in a few weeks. So, you know, maybe in 15, 20 years, I'm, I'm, if I'm fortunate enough to still be hunting turkeys, I might need a little assistance down the road. But yeah, you know, until that, I'm I'm with you, man. I like that just that feel, and I think that comes from practice, which we're going to talk about a lot on this show. Practice, 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 um, mm-hmm. and just getting comfortable. I think that's I think that's a very important uh, important thing. So we've got we kind of kind of got the gun down, dialed down. Uh, camo. What yeah. uh, What do you wear? Why? So there's you can be as minimalist with this as you want. The whole deal is you can't move. If you move any movement, I mean, the most minuscule movement, he gone. You're going to see him wing shuffle, and he's going to leave 100% of the time. But to give you a little leeway, I do suggest camouflage that looks like the base of a tree because when you set up for turkeys, you want to sit with your back against the tree, knees out front, rest the gun on on the knee. That's how... That's just the standard way we turkey, you know, so you don't really particularly want to look like a bush or this or that. You want to look like the base of a tree. So mossy oak bottomland is very good. You know, real tree original, very good. I use it's duck camp woodland. I think it's what it's called. It's from duck camp. It looks great. Uh, the main thing with your camouflage that you have to look out for a lot of manufacturers, I'm not going to name drop them, but if it looks shiny to you on the shelf with like artificial light hitting it, if it has a little sheen to it, to a turkey, that is like you look like you're just glowing. 
because their eyes are built to see iridescence. So I bought some camo in college and it was, it's like that stretchy material, real nice and cool. Like it was look great, you know, and, and, but I swear a turkey would walk out at 300 yards and look down there and be like, Oh my gosh. And run off. And I'm like, I didn't move. What's the deal. And finally I figured out you want dull, dull, dull camo. You don't want any shine. I mean, you go look at the base of a tree. It's dull. Yeah. 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 I, I read I read an article. I mean, this is like 15 years ago that talked about like at the time camo manufacturers were making camo that appealed to our eyes. Yeah, and they were selling. Yeah, so people were buying camo because we thought it looked good, and it wasn't necessarily what was most effective, you know, in in the woods, in the marsh, yeah. whatever whatever it is. So I'm with you, man. I like that flat. I think it's brushed is what the the method is where you know the manufacturers brush that that fabric and it's just dull. It just and it, yeah. looks, it looks like you washed a shirt a thousand times and it's yeah. faded. that's what that's I, yeah that's, that's I what that's you true. want you want like a, a faded just dull look i mean that's what something that doesn't catch the eye <laughs> yeah like when you look into the on the shelves there and one catches your eye it's probably not the one you want go with sure. like a, a one that's just kind of dull on the back over there that they accidentally threw back there yeah. Do you wear do you wear like solid colors maybe for pants? You brown or or like a, a dull. So I green? wear my my standard is just woodland type camo pants, shirt, uh, a hat, face mask, and gloves. So covering all, especially for your Caucasians like myself, our skin does not blend in in the woods and it's shiny. So like you got to cover most all of your, your skin in order to make sure the bird doesn't see that. Cause I mean, with especially a hand, an ungloved hand, you're moving to your call, you're moving to the trigger, you know, you, they can see that, especially if it's looks like my hand, you know, it, but if it's camo, it's not going to be as appealing to the eye. It's not going to be as quickly noticed. So it may give you a couple more seconds, which is all it takes, but I wear full camo. Now this year I'm toying with the idea I just bought like an old school, it's like the old school duck camo, like the patchy looking stuff. And it's a Ben Rogers Lee, who's a turkey legend. Ben Rogers Lee, old school camo, like jacket for turkey hunting. And so I think I'm just going to go total old school this year. So is this so. like, is this like 30 year old garment? I mean, Ben Rogers Lee died, what, mid nineties? Oh yeah. This thing's old yeah. as the hills. So I, I just got it off eBay though. So oh, I'm thinking about just wearing it going old school. Cause that's what last year for my fall gobbler, I went all old school. I just wore Brown. I had like this old looking hat and it was fun. It was kind of cool going out yeah. old school. So. Yeah. That's, but that's really, if I'm out of state and I need to kill a turkey, I'm going to be camoed to the, as much as possible. A lot of people like leafy suits, you know, and those look great. Uh, especially archery hunters tend to really like a good leafy suit. Just get a little little movement away because it looks like leaves blowing, you know. So, I you can't be too camouflaged. I can promise you, not yeah. from a turkey's eyes. Yeah, no, no, I I, I agree. And you don't have to necessarily spend five, six, seven hundred dollars on a on a turkey hunting get up. No, you know you can keep it keep it keep it pretty reasonable. I think so, especially if you're just getting into it. And I've toyed with everything. I've bought the expensive stuff. I bought the Walmart stuff, the shiny stuff, the doll stuff, and. And it comes down to it when I go out into the woods, I have like three different manufacturers, three different patterns, but they're all dull and look like a tree or a yeah. turtle. 
or the floor, you know, the fourth floor. So I think that's, 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 that's the, what's most important. So if you, if you make the correct setup, it doesn't matter if you're just wearing tan clothing or camo, it doesn't matter. If if you're in the shade in a spot where he can't see you and you got a good hide, it doesn't matter. And you don't move. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. Now, what kind of boots are you wearing? So I have, I mean, I got a closet full of boots. So it's all dependent on the situation. I have hiking boots, which is probably my go-to because I hunt a lot of hill country, especially out-of-state hunts. Around here, even I'm hunting some hill country. If I'm in the hills, I'm wearing hikers. You know, there's I cover a lot of ground. There, you know, there's a lot of ways to hunt turkeys, but I'm I'm running gun style. So I wear my hikers. I have the I think they're called Salomon, and they're really good. I, I want them lightweight, breathable, waterproof. That's huge. I everything in the spring woods is wet so if you're walking around and and, you know boots that aren't waterproof it's going to soak through even if it's not raining you end up crossing some green field or whatever and it's going to soak into your boot and you're going to be miserable so i have my hikers and then i also have just my uninsulated rubber boots you know knee boots uninsulated because here in tennessee it's usually warm during turkey season you know it's it's not cold ever if it is cold, it's usually not miserably cold. I can just put on a thick pair of socks and I'm good. But I have my uninsulated hiking boot or rubber boots. I use the lacrosse grange. Those are just classic green, got the yellow band around the top. Everybody's seen them. And they're lightweight and they work great. And then I also have some hip boots that I employ very often uh, for myself. When I'm hunting swamp turkeys, you just be amazed how much more ground you can see when you use hip boots that you don't have to go get in the water for, you know? So I, I use hip boots as well. Uninsulated. I a couple of things I want to unpack there. Uh, first, I'm very jealous that it's never really cold during in, in, in Turkey season. Yeah. In y'all, y'all's opener is probably really cold. Oh man. So in, in Ohio, I mean, spring is just, you know, you love it. The turkeys are gobbling. The flowers are popping up. But I've had I've had opening days in Ohio where it's twenty five degrees and spit oh, and snow, yeah. and then opening days in Ohio where it's eighty one and sunny and birds yeah. are chirping and it just you never know what you're going to get and and you get all of that. Uh, usually, a lot of times you can get it one day, twenty five in the morning, seventy five yeah, by eleven. So, yeah. And the other thing, the hip boots. That's that's a I, I just discovered just recently how fun it is to hunt swamp turkeys, and that's all I want to do <laughs> in the spring. It's a, but I'm miserable because I'm still wearing, you know, just the your, your regular old, you know, calf high, you know, calf high boots or, or, or whatever it is. Uh, the breathable, breathable, uninsulated hip boots for turkey hunting. It's, it's sick. You can get out, you can get back in there. You can, I mean, you, you think about how many waters you can cross when you can go up to your mid thigh compared to just below the knee. That's a lot of, a lot more <sighs> life changing, so. life changing. Glad, yeah. glad I started this podcast, right? No, so the, you know, I did, I did a podcast earlier in this, uh, earlier in the year and it was, it was about turkey hunting gear. And, and, and the guy asked me, so what's other than, you know, the basic stuff, calls and vests and gun and all that, you know, what's the most important piece of gear? I'm like, it's, it's a good pair of boots. I mean, that's, that's it. You're going to walk a you're lot. Be walking. Yep. You're yeah. going to walk a lot. You're going to go through every type of terrain that you can imagine. And if your feet get wet or they hurt, you're done and you're just going to be miserable. Yeah. So, you know, that's when I tell, when I talk to people about getting into turkey hunting, you know, what should I get first? 
good pair of boots. Boots that are that, uh, are, that are dirty. It doesn't matter. matter. Yeah, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what those boots are. So uh, you'll go further. You'll hunt longer. You'll be more satisfied if you're comfortable. So yeah. a good pair of boots is the ticket there. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you use for a vest, turkey hunting vest? I use the Night and Hail Run and Gun 200. And so I'm a minimalist. I I don't, you know, I I carry two pot calls, a box call, and diaphragm calls, and then glove and mask. And so that can house all of that. It's very lightweight vest, has a good thick seat on it, which is big to me because if you're going to do a long sit, you don't want one of those little thin, tiny seats. You want something thick because I promise you, you don't realize how many roots there are up under a tree until you try to sit down to a turkey and your butt will find every root under that tree. But it has that. And then it also has a place in the back for my like camelback water pouch and I run a hose around and it hooks into my right shoulder so that I can drink water because water is key for me. I mean, I cover so much ground, like, you know, Illinois, I covered 11 miles before noon. So I'm drinking water and I'm a camel anyway. Like I just freaking love water. I drink water all day. So I have one of those instead of carrying a bunch of water bottles, I just fill up that thing. It's like two liters and I can drink out of it. So run and gun 200 is what I use, but there's several good vest options. If you're hunting a small parcel and that's all you got and that's all you're going to hunt and you just want to be comfortable, there's, there's some vests that have those kickstands that come out. It makes it really comfortable, like stadium seating type vests. So there, yeah. There's other options. I just, you got to kind of buy the vest that fits how you're going to hunt. I'm a, I'm a ground cover, so I want lightweight and minimalist. You know, I just need, just need enough and I don't want anything extra. Yeah, that's it. Have you have you used a chair at all at uh, in any? any yeah, hunts? if I go, I have this like lounger turkey chair thing. It's so comfortable. Yeah. I use it a lot in the fall because uh, you know long sits waiting. In the spring, I don't carry it often, but if I know, especially afternoon, if I'm hunting a specific turkey and I know he likes this spot in the afternoon. I don't need to be running around in here. I just need to set up and and wait and call from this location. I will I'll carry my little chair in there just because it makes it that much more comfortable to wait, you know. And I mean that's the whole thing. Whatever's most comfortable. Yeah. And and because you need to be able to be patient. That's the biggest name in the game of turkey hunting is patience. So being comfortable helps you be patient because if you're sitting there, you can feel every root that's jabbing you in the behind, and you know the tree has a big crook in it you didn't know was there so your back's out of alignment you're not going to stay very long you're not going to sit to that turkey long enough yeah i mean when it gets down to that you know that crunch time you know you're just moving around trying to get your legs to come back to life and yeah there's i've used i've used a chair a couple of times i'm I'm with you if i'm hunting you know maybe open fields or field edges or whatever or it's in the evening and i'm not going to be moving a ton or falls you know perfect time yeah they're they're definitely uh it is in my rep car but man they can be a pain in the butt to, to haul around the woods in the spring i don't to move that's so. what i don't like hauling a bunch of stuff around but if i know that my afternoon strategy for the day is going to be i'm moving in I'm sitting down for three hours and then i'm coming out i'll carry the chair you yeah know? Yeah, no, good, good stuff. So I'm going to ask you the same question that the, the guy in the year asked me, what's, what's uh, just a piece of, of gear that you use that 
isn't just like a staple piece or are you just going as bare bones as you can? So the one thing I make the exception where I actually will add some weight to my pack is, and I actually use a chest harness, but a good pair of binoculars. You can't, I, I honestly can't imagine going to the woods without a pair of binoculars. Like, I think I forgot them once last year and I, I just felt naked. Like, I can't kill anything today. I don't have my binoculars, you know, but they're just key. You know, there's, I didn't used to use them as a kid. And once I started, I just hadn't gone back, especially if you're hunting field areas. If you spot turkeys, you can throw them up. You can see what you're looking at. Oh, okay. Those are all Jake's. Maybe I don't want to hunt them, you know, or if you know a turkey has been gobbling from a certain area and you're trying to really get in tight before you make that move, you can throw them up and glass the whole horizon slowly and see if you can see him or, or, you know, you, you might catch a little movement and then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, well, heck he's coming. You know, I, I need to sit down and stay here. I've just had so many times those binoculars have bailed me out or I can, if I'm watching a flock of turkeys, I can see them way through the woods, just, you know, those little flickers of movement throw those binoculars up now all of a sudden i can see what's going on oh he's got 20 hens that's why he's not coming you know it, it, but if if i didn't have them i'd just see movement so i always carry binoculars and i use the chest like the straps that go behind your shoulders and it holds it right in front of you so that if i need to get to them, i can just right there you know right from the chest to the eyes very quickly and, and easily I have, and I can see them in my office right now. I have three chest rigs that I've never worn, never tried. Does that interfere with your position with the shotgun at any point during the hunt? Okay. No, I mean, they, they, it should be tight to the chest. You know, it shouldn't be like drooping off, like hanging out there. It does, because I mean, sometimes you got to drop down, hit the belly crawl on them, you know, to advance. I will slip off the chest harness and just leave the binocs behind because it usually if you hit that point, you know what's going down. You're making yeah. a move. So it's time to time to go. But it it hasn't interfered with me like actually throwing up shooting. Yeah. I might have to give them a try. I you know, I've we've never met in person, but I'm six three, two hundred and seventy-five pounds. So I have a little more uh space, I guess, that I have to 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 work with. Those I have never, never felt comfortable with those chest rigs. And whenever I put them on, I'm like, yeah, I just feel like it's gonna be right there. But yeah. Yeah. And I, I always keep them, you know, I sacrifice uh on my vest. I've got like a little spot for a water bottle. That's where I put my my binoculars. I've lost two pair of binoculars doing that. So mm. <laughs> I've got to figure something out, man. Might have to might have to get that a, a whirl here in 2023. But so so Cameron, we've got we've got the gear got the gun pattern ready to go uh kind of what's what's your preparation for for the season and and most hunters we have areas that i don't need to scout it i go there every year i know exactly where the turkeys are going to be if you have i started something uh this year i call it and and this is not an original idea parker mcdonald from the southern ground hunting he's got new spot monday for deer hunting i adopted that this year for turkey hunting new spot monday i'm going to pick a spot on a map on Onyx, that's that's shaded public, and I'm gonna go find a turkey. So, what if you're if you're looking for a new spot? What kind of scouting, e scouting, do you do? Do you do boots on the ground scouting before the season? What's your process? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously here locally through the years, I've I've learned some spots, but that doesn't stop me. Like, I just love seeing new ground anyway. And and like last year, I killed turkeys on two different 
WMAs I've never hunted before. Like, you know, and it was, it was really fun. And I just like seeing new parts of the country or, you know, like, Hey, I've, I've killed two in the Hills. I want to go get one in the swamp, you know, or like just different types of hunts. Cause that's, what's so fun. And so for me, especially if it's local, you can't beat boots on the ground scouting, like look on the maps, figure out, okay, here's where the property lines are. Here's this area looks good and go in there and find, look for sign, you know, but out of state, you're not going to have the luxury. You've got to be good at e-scouting. I mean, that's the whole key is being able to be on turkeys when you show up. So for e-scouting for me, turkeys, you want diversity and habitats huge. I mean, they got to have so many different types of habitats. So like if you look at a map and it's just a thousand acres, all of its three-year-old pine stand, then like that doesn't appeal to me. But if it's, okay, there's a three-year-old pine stand that's next to a big hardwood creek bottom that has a 20-year-old pine stand on the other side, like, and there's a clear cut at the top and there's some open fields in the bottom, like that's starting to look pretty appealing because that's a lot of diversity. You got nesting, you got water, you got food, you got hard mass, you got roosting trees, you know, you got all the things you need. And so I do e-scout quite a bit and that is a craft in itself, you know, and that's something, I mean, I could sit here and tell you my process, but it's, it's not going to really resonate till you go out and like, when you find a turkey and you hear, you know, several turkeys gobbling in this area, look at the map and think, why are they here? You know, and what does this look like? Okay. This looks like this. I'm going to start looking for more places like this. <laughs> and that, then it starts to click. Cause I mean, and it can change last year. I was in one state early, early season in that state. And it was, I was hunting like upland kind of pine areas, you know, like big, beautiful areas. Just look like there should be turkeys everywhere. I was on nothing. I mean, nothing. And I had a buddy send me a picture. He killed one. I was like, what? I'm not asking you where, obviously, but like, what was he in? He was like, oh, man, he's down in a big river bottom. And, I was, and so I looked on the map. I found a big river bottom in there. This is a totally different part of the state. But I found a big river bottom that was near where I was that was public and struck one immediately when I got over there and killed one. Those turkeys hadn't moved up to the upland areas yet. They were still eating hard mast. They weren't nesting. They were still in the, in the bottom lands. So I went and found one, killed him there. So you got to be adaptable and, and just kind of understanding the life cycle of the turkey helps with what you're scouting. But like you said, I mean, you said it too. Boots on the ground is everything. Look for feathers and just any clues as to whether a turkey was there or not. Yeah. When you're, when you're just sitting at home on your computer or your phone, how, how are you differentiating the the terrain types and those you know, transition zones that you were talking about for turkeys between, you know, hardwood forests with good mast, uh, you know, and maybe some younger early successional yeah. habitat forests or stands. How, how are you breaking down those areas just by looking at, uh, you know, on X or hunt stand or Google maps or whatever it might be. Yeah, so I mean, Onyx has a lot of tools you can use. Um, they have like it shows the clear cuts, what year it was cut. You can turn that that filter on. You can hopefully it's a wintertime picture. I, I think summertime photography of 
of landscapes should be outlawed in the world. Thank you. We're going to stop right. Yes, that's it. We're done. That's it. That's all we need to say right yeah, there. Like, oh my <laughs> yeah, God. Like, why? That's such, so useless. Yes. Like, I can't yes. understand it. So you find a winter picture. You can see, okay, that's dead. It's hardwoods. This is still green. This is pine. And so you can go to that way. And then another tool I use, I'll transition on my computer, especially between Onyx and Google Earth. And so on Google Earth, you can actually, if you download Google Earth, not the web, the web one, you got to download on your computer. There's actually like a time thing at the top and I can click back and see photography from this year of that, that area to 2020 to 2018 to several years back. And so if I go back in time, I might can get a winter picture if it's a summer picture, or I can see, oh, that green patch there actually was cut six years ago. It's probably just a jungle, you know, and I can differentiate that way. So I kind of do that. And then sometimes I'll just copy the coordinates on Onyx, put it in Google Maps and pull it up there and it will be a different, you know, satellite photo and I can garner more from that. Yeah. Um. And if it's near a main highway on Google Maps, you can hold down and make it to where you like go to the roadside view and actually look at what the tree sizes are from the road. <laughs> yeah, you know, I we we sound very similar. I I pay for every damn hunting software that you can get Google Maps because they're all different. Every aerial picture, yeah. they're all different. They all got different features, and. I, I, I check every single one of them and I'll tell you what, man, I, I found some really nice areas. I, I, you know, I was using, you know, Onyx a lot, Google maps. And, you know, I, I clicked over to hunt stand and it was all winter time. And I mean, the, and you really start to see, you know, when there's no leaves on the tree, you start to see some of those areas that you're talking about. And it's like, okay, next year, next spring, I'm getting there. You know, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm going, you know, two miles, you know, east where I'm, I'm, I'm going two miles west normally or whatever it may be. So I think that's a little, a little, uh, you know, switch it up a little bit is the, is the, yeah, moral, that's what I just got hunt stand this year in addition to Onyx. And I have noticed that the, uh, hunt stand actually will be ahead a lot of times, like a newer photo sometimes yeah. than Onyx. Yeah. And, and one thing that I like not to, this is a commercial for hunt stand, but they've got that feature where you can go back 30 days and you can see it's not as clear uh, of a photo, but they've got 30 day photos for every area. I mean, I've never run into a spot that didn't have that. And, you know, you can go in and see, I use it a lot in, in, uh, in the early season uh, or like late season for ducks, you know, just, you know, I'll try to see, okay, where, you know, some of this flooded timber, you know, might be, yeah. let's look, you know, you can see, and that's so cool. that's, that's neat. Yeah. So hunt stand, that's a really neat, that's a really neat feature. You can see, especially early season Turkey, you, you can kind of see where yeah. know, some of those pine areas are. And I think for, for a lot of Northern guys, if you've never hunted down South, you know, we hear about like pine forest. So in, I think it's neat on, you know, if you've got a summer picture, you can see where those, a lot of those pine trees were planted or, you know, you'll see, you know, just, you know, timber, timberland or whatever. It's, it's yeah. kind of, it really stands out if you start to look at the intricacies of the, of the images there. So, yeah. And for, for Western hunters, there's a feature on Onyx. I know, and I don't know about hunt stand, but shows the wildfires that are going on. So that can be important too, because yeah, it, that whole million acres is burned the middle of it. Probably going to have a Turkey, you know, maybe yeah. off the edges. Yeah. And that's neat. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a great, that's a great, a great point. And, and, 
Learn your learn your programs. I downloaded one recently that I've been diving into Spartan Forge. I'm still trying to figure out. There's a lot of really neat you know features on that. So huh. is there is there like a specific terrain feature that you feel like is just an absolute magnet for turkeys in the in the spring? I mean, there's so many different terrains. Uh, no, I wouldn't say so. I will say in the spring. They usually, especially if they're around nesting time, early spring is not as important, but I usually want at least some kind of openings, fields, cutovers, big wide roads, whatever it is, but they usually are going to want some kind of openings. And you may not kill him in the opening. I'm not saying that, but usually they're kind of around them. They're going to go check it out at some point during the day. Yeah, it it becomes, I mean, just think about just, driving around this time of year like i don't see gobblers especially sometimes i'll see hens and poults out in the field but like you, they're ghosts they're gone they're way back yeah. in the woods but then all of a sudden in the spring you look over and, and there he is fully blown out in the in the in the field you know yeah. they want to be seen they want to be heard in the spring so what do they want they want openings you know or if they're deep woods turkeys they'll get on a big open ridge and do the same thing but like I usually like to have a clear cut or a food plot or whatever it is, you know, some, some different openings in the area, but, and and you gotta have water. I mean, everything has to have water to live. So you gotta, but, but as far as like a singular terrain feature that like, when I'm like, Oh, he's there. No, I can't say that there's like a single magnet thing for turkeys. You know, I, I, I can't think of any. I just usually look for if it's hill ground. I want a ridge where I can hear like three different creeks heads, yeah. the, the heads of the creeks, because that's where they're going to roost. They're going to be roosted by water. Yeah. I, I think. I think a lot of that, you know, the terrain features. I think it's it's what we like, right? Yeah. Like you said, I mean, I'm with you, man. I, I was hunting uh, in in a huge, just a massive piece of federal property this year, and I'm rolling through and doing my e scouting. And I'm looking at parking locations and access and I'm trying and, and me, I'm, I'm, I will walk 10 miles to get away from people. That's, oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I just want to hunt by myself. You know? Yeah. So I find just this oasis in the middle of this forest and it's just a, it's maybe like a, a one acre grassy little area that, you know, trees died and, and, and I'm like, it's seven miles from the closest parking spot. Book it, sign me up. Yeah. I mean, I, I make the hike. Uh, you know, about four in the morning and I get there and I mean, it was almost perfect timing, seven miles, me and another guy come right to the same spot. And we, <laughs> so we just like, I mean, it, I, we were less than 80 yards and I hear him start talking and we go over and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like, Hey man, we both saw this spot. I was like, you want to hunt it together? Just, yeah, it's on it together. See what happens. And it was just, it was awesome. You know, we, neither of us killed anything, but it was just those, you know, we prefer those little spots. There were turkeys close. They weren't there. And I mean, it was just good meeting that guy. And it's just funny, man. You know, you look for those little spots. It'll just suck a human in before it does a turkey. Yeah. So Yeah. A lot of times you have to think, I kind of try to like backwards my thinking where I'm like, oh, this looks great. Like there's food plots everywhere. This has got to be. And then I'm like, everybody's thinking that. Oh my gosh. You know? And then I'm yeah. like, what's across the road from that? Cause everybody's gonna park and go to this area. What's over here. And I'm like, there's one food plot back there that's kind of secluded and you know it looks like you got to walk through a cut over to get to it. it just looks gnarly i'm like i might go there absolutely you know? yep 
<laughs> if it looks miserable to get to, that's going to be like the first spot that I go to because I hope that no one else is as, as wacky as hey, I yeah. am. And there's there's the, the hip boots right there. That's it, man. I'm gonna buy a pair of those today. I'm gonna yeah. yeah. Gonna, no, yeah. I I hunted a spot a couple years ago. There was like four, literally four other dudes, and they all stopped at the water's edge with their knee boots, and they're all like set up, hoot owling and stuff. And then I just kept cruising, went across <laughs> this like this like river thing, and yeah. ended up on the other side and killed a turkey over there, and come like walking back. Oh over. yeah, that's they're the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See us suckers, and just keep right yeah. on, right on rolling, yeah. man. That's more that's waterproofing than you. Yeah, that's that's good, man. So. I think that I, you know, just to kind of wrap up the, the, the preseason scouting, when do you start going into the woods, get the boots on the ground and just listening and, or yeah. do you go in, are you out hooting? Are you, I know the answer, but are you yeah. turkey calling at all preseason just to kind of get where they're at? So I've gotten, I've changed on this five years ago. If you had asked me that, I'm like, as soon as I think it might be possible that a turkey could consider gobbling, I'm out listening. I mean, like, I had them hammering on, like, February 15th one year. You know, like, and that it wasn't. But the problem with that is if you find them the first week of March, by the first week of April, they're not going to be most likely in that same spot. They make a big transition in that time of habitat zones. And so while it feels good, I love it, but I've kind of changed to where like two weeks before season, I get serious where I want to go put ears on turkeys. Now, before then, I, I'm not, I may not be getting up at daylight and going and listening, but I'll go out and find sign and just kind of locate flocks of turkeys. Like, okay, here's some big flocks of turkeys. And then once that part's done, two weeks before seasons, when I go in and figure out, where are they now? You know, and so because turkeys are always in like little pockets of areas, you know, there may be a big flock in this draw, but there's none in that draw. So you want to know, you know, this side. But I I did it three years ago. I went out the, those turkeys in February and there was it was 13 longbeards together and they're just shredding it. And I'm like, I have found the honey hole. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm in it. And so I came back a couple times. They're still there. I'm like, oh, this is the greatest spot. Come back opening day, nothing. I was like, well, it's a fluke. They're not gobbling. Come back a week later, nothing. It's like, okay. I finally caught up with them later in the season. They had moved about two miles across a road, across all this stuff, and I found some of them. But they had dispersed. So they they were in their 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 male gobbler gang. And they're just, you know, had been hanging out all winter being buddies. And then all of a sudden, whatever it is that flips in their mind, you know, start thinking about women. They're like, you know, I think I'm the baddest dude around here. They start whooping each other. And then they all just go their separate ways. You know, you know, this winter, they probably all met back up there. Like, hey, boys, who made it? You know? <laughs> yeah. But what what do you think? What, what do you think makes them break up like that? I mean, because every turkey hunter and, and to the folks listening to this, you're going to have this experience. You're going to get antsy. You're going to go out and, you know, whether it be February, March or early April, you know, if you're in the northern spots and you're going to find turkeys and you're going to find a lot of them and they're all going to be. 
they're going to disappear yeah. there. I, I can, I can almost like if you find a flock of, of goblin turkeys in Ohio or Tennessee, two, three weeks, four weeks, whatever, before the season, I can almost guarantee that they're not going to be in the same spot. Oh yeah. That's a given. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're going to move. Yep. And so I mean, what, why do they was, do that? Well, those 13 gobblers were together, but you know what? I didn't hear hens. Yeah. There weren't any hens. The hens are, when the hens get ready to go, you know, breeding and nesting, they, they're going to move to the grounds where they want to nest and stuff. Where these turkeys were is deep in this hardwood forest. I mean, there's no nesting cover, nothing of any sort in that area. So they're not going to be there. And so I, I think they just duke it out and go find their little, they, they establish their lecks, their lecking species. So they go establish their lek where they know that hens are and where they can gobble up hens and breed with them. And then the hens will go lay nests. And so and, I guess you know, just what is a lek? So, I mean, I don't even know the correct definition of it, but I, know I don't either. I know what it is. I don't know how to explain it. It's just a group of, it's, of, of it's like a, it's a, I, once I, I feel like, like it's once it's established, the hierarchy is established and it's yeah. just like forms of, of groups of turkeys, male and female, but that hierarchy has been established on both levels. That's, that's yeah, a, that's a breeding yeah. group elect of for so two. like a, a, a winter flock of turkeys as like a hundred turkeys. There's ten gobblers yeah. and ninety hens, whatever. Well, then all of a sudden they all break up into ten different leks or whatever. And there's a gobbler with a few hens here, a gobbler with a few hens here, and they'll gobble at each other. But as long as they don't come into each other's lecking zones, they're they're cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If he, if he comes into here to get his hands up, get after it. It's like gang it's territories. Yeah, yeah like just, this yeah. is my zone. This yeah. ridge is mine. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna start making turkey gang names. You know, like the Acorn Busters or something like that. That's what. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, what what do you do in terms of kind of preparation for a turkey season in regards to physical fitness? Are you uh, an oh, yeah. all year guy, or you just I uh, work out? Yeah, I. Yeah. I exercise. I just love exercising. I'm kind of addicted to it too. I mean, it's, I just love it. If I feel better every day, but I do get more focused on the muscle groups that I need for Turkey season, pre Turkey season. So about, about new year's, you know, when the new year hits, I'm really getting Turkey, Turkey fever at that point. Yeah. And especially when duck season's over, cause I do duck kind of a lot, but you know, February and March, I'm making sure my legs are conditioned. I'm making sure that my breathing and heart rate and everything is conditioned. You know, I'm, I hate cardio. I hate it so much. I would, I love lifting a weight. I hate yeah. cardio, but you got to do it because, you know, being able to bench 5 million pounds doesn't help much with turkey hunting. Nothing. Being able to go on the Stairmaster for 45 minutes straight, that'll help you. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I'm, I've lost over a, a two-year period. I'm pushing 70 pounds that I've lost, and, nice. and so in in this season, spring of 2022, I, I got connected with with a guy that that runs a company, and it's it's about fitness for. And there's a lot of them out there. A lot of these companies out there, it's fitness for specific hunting types. So you know, elk out west, you know, whitetail, mm -hmm. mule deer, whatever it is. And there was this this program that he had that was specifically focusing on turkey muscles is what we're going to call them. Like, you know, what you just talked about and the movements that you have during turkey season. And so I really started to hone in on that about February. And man, I'll tell you what, it was, it was 
life-changing for me. And just in regards to the way that my body moved and felt in Turkey season, it was amazing. You know, couple that with the weight loss that I went through, dude, I used to like, you know, I'm up against a tree and I'm the guy that's like rolling on the ground, you know, putting the gun down and like lifting it up. And, and I mean, it was just here. It was just, just standing straight up. And I mean, that really made a tremendous difference in my ability to hunt the way that I wanted to, I started hunting like the what, middle of March and I stopped in June and I was able to do it the entire year. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and it was, that's a very important thing to me now. And that's just, you know, it's unfortunate that it took me, you know, damn near 20 years of Turkey hunting to, to start to value that. And I think that's, that's something so much more enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you're not just, feeling like you're huffing and puffing and like sweating up a storm. I mean, you may be yep. doing that, but you, it's not as, in, it's just, it's so much more enjoyable when you're fit enough to do it. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, yeah. And I'm not talking about, I mean, just like, and and I, I think when, when people have that, you know, life-changing moment, you know, where diet and exercise and all that, I'm not going to talk about that, but just like literally just hunting exercise this year for me, man, I mean, it was just, you know, two, three, four years in the past. Like I'd look at a hill or a ridge, like, God damn, I'm not climbing that. You know, I'm going to go somewhere yeah. else. And then this year, like it didn't even cross my, you know, it was funny. Like the second, third, yeah, the second or third hunt I was on, I was like, oh my God, I already thought about not walking <laughs> up a hill. It's just, I just walked up this massive ridge in yeah. Southern Alabama. You know, I'm like, hell yeah, let's go, man. So that's I think awesome. that's, I think it's important for, for a lot of people and just, it's just a little effort. A little effort, uh, you know, physical. It doesn't thing. take much, yeah. you know. It yes. doesn't take much. Yep. I'm Stretch. a morning, especially before turkey season. I like to I like to start getting my sleep routine kind of in order because if you're gonna hunt 50, 60, 70 days, it, it's taxing. So it like is. you gotta be ready. And so I'll start doing 5 30 a.m. workouts. I get up start exerting energy because that i practice like i'm gonna play you know yeah turkey i'm getting up 5 30 and i'm gonna be exerting energy so i'll do the same thing and so i I like to have strong legs number one a a strong core and then like those shoulder muscles and triceps for holding that gun up is that can help a lot too because yeah hold your gun up for an extra you know three minutes compared to what you were that could be the difference in walking out with one over your shoulder and not so Yeah, that's exactly it. Just to kind of wrap this this preparation conversation up, what are you taking into the woods for fuel? I mean, for you, I mean, are you are you bringing snacks or what are you what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, so my turkey season diet goes way down because I'm freaking traveling the world, so I'm eating a lot more fast food and stuff. But as far as taking out into the woods with me, and I I used to not put as much emphasis on it, but you gotta have. It's amazing if you just sit down and, and eat one of those protein bars or something. The amount yeah. of energy you can feel it. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. So I, I like compact items, uh, you know, energy bars. Uh, we did when I hunted California last year. We were we were smoking those uh, what are the uncrustables? Yeah. Peanut butter jelly uncrustables. Yeah. Those were freaking awesome. Yeah. We were eating those. You know, always have plenty of water. Yeah, just compact items that you know the most bang for your buck in my mind i want i want a good bit of calories and and good you know energy type stuff yeah. so yeah i i started this year i started using those little like nut butter packages they're like the size of a credit card and they're flat mm-hmm. they weigh nothing but they've got you know, 200 calories yeah 200 calories in them a ton of protein and 
I, and they're kind of expensive. And I found myself eating like five of them during a, during a hunt. Like I got a, I just ate $20 worth of <laughs> like nut butter. Know, yeah. Nut butter or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Almond, almond butter, or coconut butter, whatever the heck it is. Yeah. yeah I, but, I really yeah. like to eat like a banana and some kind of protein on my way to hunt too, yeah. just to, to get something in you. I'm usually not hungry at five 30. Like I, I'm just like, yeah. The thought of food isn't like really in my mind at that point, but I'm always like, I need to just suck this down so I have some energy in me. Yeah. You know, because last year, man, I I didn't eat anything on my way to Illinois and I didn't bring any food. And I, I mean, like I told you, I covered 11 miles, nothing in the tank. I did have water. I wouldn't have made it without water, but I sat down around noon and I was like, oh my gosh. Like I, I am running on fumes, you yeah. know, it, you don't understand how much you need that. Yeah. And I don't, I don't really, I'm, I'm with you. I don't eat much in the morning. You know, I'll eat on my way, but during the hunt, I'm, I don't get hungry until they stop gobbling. And then, you know, about 11, 1130. And it's just like, oh, man, I need to eat something. Yeah. So, so Cameron, I appreciate your time, man. Uh, and, and hopping on this, uh, this podcast with me and, and, and given, you know, the listeners just kind of what you do to prepare for, for a hunting season. I'd love to have you on again. You got a ton of knowledge and, uh, I, I really hope you come back on again. Where can people find you on social media? Yeah, well, so I'm actually about to get back on social media. I took a little break for the summer just to focus on family and actually, you know, enjoy what's going on in real life. So yeah, I didn't post, uh, didn't post what I was eating every night anymore and things like that. Like people do these days, but fried turkey breast. That's what I'm eating every night. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's just being off for three or four months made me realize how like, uh, into it I was, I guess you don't realize how much time you spend on social media until you don't do it anymore. And you're like, wow, I was looking at that screen a long time, but yeah. I will be back on. I'm on Instagram is where I'm most active by far. And it's the gobfather49. It's not a cocky name. I don't think I'm the father of gobblers. It is a turkey call that I used to use when I was a younger lad. And I I think when, when you touch that thing, turkeys just come running. Yeah. So I can't name my page after it, but it's been retired. But I don't know. I'm pretty sure I could, if I, if it worked right now, I could hit it in my office and a gobbler would try to fly in here. So Love dedicated it. Page to it. It, it gave me the confidence I needed to start killing turkeys. So that's Good. why I went with that. So the gobfather 49. And then I'm also on Facebook, Cameron Weddington. I'm not very active on there. I just, it's just not for me. There's, everybody's way more negative on Facebook. I don't know why, but Instagram oh, people are used to be like, Congrats, yeah. thumbs up. Yeah. Know, Facebook people were like, why'd you do that? Right. Okay. Well, because you weren't there to tell me not to do it, my friend. That's yeah, why. that's it. They're so argumentative. Like everybody just wants yeah. an argument on Facebook. Yeah. But, if you listen, if you're then, listening to this, stop arguing on, on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Stop it. Just just quit it. <laughs> Doesn't matter what it is. Stop it. Yeah. So. But and then also every week on Thursdays, Andy and I release a podcast called the Turkey Hunter Podcast. If you want to learn more about turkeys. Uh, it's a good resource, you know, and we have really good guests around the turkey and, and lots of information there. So there, there's 400 and some episodes out there. So you got plenty of information. If you want to go it's on. a, it's a good one. Yeah. Check, check yeah. that one out. Turkey Hunter podcast. That's a good. One. Well, Cameron, thank you so much for your time, man. Good luck this fall. Good luck, uh, you know, next spring and, and going forward, man. I really appreciate you. Yeah, man. Stay in contact. See you later. All right. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you.